This is Top Floor, episode 53, and our first birthday. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 53. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. As you know, Susan Berry is the host of the podcast. And today I, her sister, aka the first guest of episode one, am going to interview her in honor of Top Floor's first birthday. Susan will probably laugh weirdly, use a fair amount of vocal fry. (laughs) So I'll be here to keep her in line. I'll do my best to follow the format and not to embarrass her too much, but no promises. (laughs) Before we start, though, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is top floor's hotline for burning hospitality questions. Fun fact, listener, the call button question is the only question that's never discussed with the guests in advance of the show. And I can attest that is true. I can speak from experience, having been, as you know, the first guest on the first show. So Susan springs this question on every guest, sight unseen, just to freak them out a little bit right in the beginning. And I also think it kind of loosens people up, like right out of the gate. So before we jump in, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is her hotline for hospitality professionals who have burning questions. If you'd like to submit a question, you can call or text 850-404-9630. So today's question comes from literally everyone. Everyone asks all the time. Susan, how's your podcast going? Is it successful? So tell us, what's the answer? How's it going? (laughs) Well, first of all, this is more of a thrill than I can even describe to you to have you back on the show. Episode one is the episode that I consistently get the most positive feedback about. And it's because you were the guest. So thank you for returning for episode 53, our first birthday. So what happens when people ask this question, it's kind of, it's funny. Everyone asks it all the time, but for most people, it's more of a making conversation and like, you know, indicating that they remember what I'm up to. How has the podcast going? Like that kind of thing. But every once in a while, there will be someone who asks this question to me in the tone of voice of like, they are asking a small child about their ballet class or their soccer team or whatever it is. So like, for example, I had someone go, oh, congratulations on your little podcast, (laughs) which could not be more insulting. Like I would rather you spit in my face than say, congratulations on your little podcast. People say that are like, oh, are you still doing that? Like it was just a joke that I started or (laughs) something like that. So here's the thing. This podcast never makes a dime of money never won a single award. Nobody ever liked it. I would still do it. I love it. It Honestly, it's a love of my life. It's something that I enjoy far beyond my wildest dreams of what I expected. 
But in the interest of transparency, here are how things are going. So we haven't really started an ad sales program yet, but we have had a few companies contact us to advertise. So we've had some advertisers like almost in spite of ourselves. Those people are getting really good deals because I have no idea what to charge. I think we'll probably end up getting more serious about that in the coming months. But for now, we just feel lucky that people are listening. As of this morning, this very morning, We crossed over 17,000 unique downloads. So that's about 1,500 listeners per month. Thank you. Yeah. And we've won three awards. Um, Probably most important to me is that I have gotten to meet and talk to about 70 different, really fascinating, interesting people from all different aspects of hospitality. And I get to ask them every question that I want to because I'm quote, quote, interviewing them. So it's a real curiosity satisfier. Well, I think it's very then appropriate for you to be on the receiving end of questions and be the interviewee versus the interviewer <laughs> for a change. So we can kind of like get down to the nitty gritty. You can tell okay. us some, some more, the, the stuff we don't know. Excellent. Um, I, of course, know your life story, but... I think this might be a really good time for you to kind of reintroduce yourself to people and kind of, you know, like, what's your deal? Like, who are you? (laughs) Well, I'll give you sort of the career spiel that I give, which is that I was a director of sales and marketing for Starwood for 10 years in Denver, Washington, DC, and here in Atlanta. And most of what I did was open new build hotels. So I opened... Uh, two hotels in the last three years of my career with that company. And in that company, in Starwood, the director of sales and marketing was a person that was hired first for a new build. So that person got to be the general manager and the director of finance and the director of HR and you know, sort of have their hands in all aspects of the hotel. So then, of course, as you more people get hired and you get the hotel open, you have less responsibility and it gets more and more boring. (laughs) So I opened those two hotels. I opened a Westin and a DC market and a W here in Atlanta. And after I got that second one open, I was like... I mean, there's got to be more than this. Like, <laughs> I, you know, the adrenaline rush was over of doing the pre-opening part. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, here we are. So I started my company. I had done a social media campaign for that last hotel. And it was successful. It ended up getting replicated across the brand. And so, of course, I thought <laughs> I was a social media genius. And I originally started Hive Marketing to do just that, to do social for hotels. I think I was probably a little on the early side. It was 2009. Oh, I remember when you started that and nobody even knew how to engage their audiences and to engage and not just put advertisements. I mean, you you taught me as a business owner a lot about social media and how to interact at that time. Well, that is very sweet of you to say. It was kind of the days before business pages in particular were as monetized as they are now. So you could mm-hmm. really make some headway because you could actually reach your followers and you know put out interesting and engaging content and all that stuff. But anyway, the, the business ended up evolving over time to what we do now, which is really focused on business to business, mostly marketing, but also some sales enablement and revenue for the hospitality industry. So basically, I help 
hospitality companies sell to each other versus selling to travelers or consumers or guests or whatever. Oh, that makes perfect sense. I never really thought of it like that, but that's a great way to explain it. So we know that, you know, why you started your own business. So, and, and your own company. So what are like some of the strange and weird hobbies and things that you do that people probably don't know about you? Oh my God. I kind of think of myself as someone who doesn't have hobbies. Like I'm not a real relaxed uh, type of person. (laughs) But I do have some hobbies. Like do you think thrifting is my... I guess going thrift shopping is a hobby. I think that's one of your hobbies. I think you're... uh change collection obsession. <laughs> that was going to be the other one I said. Maybe okay. a traditional hobby, but... <laughs> it's such a stupid thing. But it is so fun and it is the most entertaining. So for the listener, the what she's talking about is that I obsessively scan the ground for people's fallen money and I collect it in a jar for the starting on January 1st of every year. And then quarterly, I count up how much money, how much street money that I found and post it for the <laughs> world to see. And so for the last two years, just you know, if we want to get into some stats here, I typically find about five dollars every quarter. This year has been a banner year. And I'm, I mean, just last week. I know. Just last week, I found a $20 bill. I'm already over... I think I'm already over $100. And we're not even at the end of the third quarter yet. So and let's remember, this is found change for the most part. Right. Like mostly ground. pennies. <laughs> I know. I mean, and it's not... Somebody asked me before, is it change that I get back after purchasing something? And that is that does not count. It has to only be money that I find. I also end up finding a bunch of other weird stuff. And there are two different coins that I found that I like. was like, Oh my God, this is so exciting. Um, where we live in East Atlanta Village is the site of many of the, uh, the Battle of Atlanta and the uh, Civil War. And so twice I have found these unusual looking coins that were like all beat up and raggedy and whatever and thought... Well, here we go. I found a Civil War coin. I'm going to be able to get a new house or, you know, whatever the case may be. And the first time it was like a coin from the Shell station from like 1956. And then the second one was a Sears and Roebuck commemorative coin from 1984. Clearly, I'm going to have to edit this part of this conversation out because I could talk about this for 175 years and probably put everyone to sleep. But I will tell you, speaking of sleep, I do have another hobby, which is reading. And back to the point of me not being like very good at relaxing, I have to read murder mystery books to fall asleep because it's the only. (laughs) I don't know that I knew that. (laughs) It's the only thing that's distracting enough that I stop thinking about like what I'm thinking about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So they're like really exciting and engaging. So for last night, I woke up at four in the morning. I was like racing thoughts for an hour. And finally, I'm like, I got to go. I got to go read. So... I just read about a couple of little simple murder murders and fell right to sleep. <laughs> Every know. girl's lullaby. Yeah. Nice little sleep read. 
Well, okay. So back to the podcast. So what are kind of, what's like some surprises that have come your way based on having this podcast? Oh my gosh. So much has been surprising. I I had done a brief show before this one. And so I knew I liked the format. Like I knew I liked talking. I mean, I could have told you that that since I got put out on the first day of fourth grade that I like talking. But you know what I mean? I knew that I would enjoy sort of the medium. It's been shocking to me how much this particular show just is a thrill. I work with probably the most talented sound engineer in the history of time, Jonathan Albano. That is an absolute pleasure. The guests that I have on the show are an absolute pleasure. Like it's just, I can't even, I don't even have the words, girl. It is so good. So that's one thing. On the flip side, I would say it's surprising how much work it is. I was like sketching out the number of hours that go into an episode. And before I turn it over to anyone else, like before sound engineering happens, before any graphics get designed, it gets put out, you know, blah, blah, blah. I have about 15 hours in for for each show, which it doesn't feel like that because it's fun. And I was shocked when I found that out, but it is a lot more work than I expected. So 15 hours to put out a 30 minute ish episode. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it was a lot of work. I didn't know it was that much work. Yeah. And you know, obviously some are more than others, but 15 is about right. I, I do a lot of research about my guests and like, if they've written a book, I read the book. If they've been on other shows or had recent press, I read all that stuff because I don't want to just like ask them the same thing that they've talked. You know what I mean? I just don't want it to be a repeat of everything they've ever said before. So, but there's one other thing that has been such a huge surprise. Like this is mind boggling to me. And it is how often people do not show up for their appointments. Especially, maybe not especially, but even when they are pitching me to have them on my show. Like people, you know, uh, PR firms or people's companies will pitch, please have so-and-so on the show. She wants to talk about XYZ. She'd be great. Fantastic. Let's set up a call. No show. Wow. Or reschedule, then a no show. Or reschedule, reschedule, then a no show. I mean, I ha- like I can count on at least one no show or canceled appointment every single week. Do you think that that's like a sign of the times? If that has anything to do with sort of the, like, I know you've touched on it before, quiet quitting, like this whole like culture of just change or, I mean, do you have any, any sort of like hypothesis on why that happens? I, I, my hypothesis is that people get more nervous than they think they're going to be, especially if they haven't done a podcast before. So they go, you know, they go into it. It sounds like no big deal. And then the closer they get, the closer they get, the more intimidating it gets. That's the only thing I can think. So considering that we're both avid podcast listeners, um, do you think that it's, is it too late to start a podcast? I mean, it seems like there are so many of them out there. Do you think it's a saturated market or I mean, what do you think? I don't think it's too late at all. I think we're still on the front end of podcasting. I mean, I will say 
that my husband, Sean, and I have been listening to the Deadcast since 2009. So we are OG podcast listeners. (laughs) And podcasts have been around for even longer than that. But I don't think it's too late at all. I, If you look at the landscape, there are so many aspects of this medium that are still very much in their infancy. For example, how to measure the audience. You know, you can get a sense of like how many people have downloaded a particular episode, but you can't really tell how long they listened through or, you know, how far did they get or which parts do they like the best, things like that. Um, I only see it becoming more and more sophisticated and more and more popular. The one thing I would say if somebody's considering starting a show is that you have to be very committed to being consistent. You really need to think about that because once you're in the day-to-day, like the week-to-week of it, you realize it can really be a slog. I mean, it is a pleasurable slog, but it is a slog. It's a lot of work. And especially when your prospective guests know show on you as they do on me all the time. <laughs> so oh you're going to have to fall back on your, your level of commitment, your sort of willingness to push through. <sighs> unless you're a celebrity or like, unless you're running some sort of sneaky pay to play scam where you're charging people to be on your show or whatever, you're not getting rich in podcasting, especially without putting in the time. So you can't just start it and think like, Oh, this is going to be a viable business model in six episodes and then quit after six weeks when the money doesn't start rolling in. Like for most shows, that's not how it works. But what does happen is that people will put out six shows and then fall off the face of the earth. Yeah. You've got to... I mean, it's hard work. It's dedication. And I mean, 15 hours to every 30 minutes, give or take. That's, I mean, you, you got to love what you do. Yeah, but that's, exactly. That comes across though, when you talk to your guests and there's so many different types of specialists and industry leaders and, but you can tell that you're genuinely passionate about each one. And it's, it's just a pleasure to hear Dolly. Oh, you're too kind. Do you think that it's because I really should have been a detective? Like, I'm just so curious and interested in what people are doing. I want to know everything. I want to know all the details. Like, how did you get here? What's going on? Tell me everything. Okay. So I feel like the biggest takeaway is you want to secretly be a detective and maybe it's murder mysteries <laughs> that can hold your interest. And or some counting math banking <laughs> situation. Maybe I need to be a new character on Sesame Street that's like a cross between the count and that little Sherlock puppet. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, but also you need that wear a headphone and have a microphone yes. and be a podcast. Okay. I think we've got time. a plan. This sounds amazing. I love it. I do too. So what is the best way for a listener to support the show? Oh my gosh. The very best thing that somebody can do if they want to support the show is to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Even though there are tons and tons of podcast players and we are distributed to all of them, Apple Podcasts is still kind of the key to the kingdom in terms of the success of podcasts. So that is absolutely the place to show your support. And I would so appreciate it. So does the five-star review, does that raise you in the um, 
like put you higher in the rankings and make your show more accessible and just show up sooner? Or is that how that works? Um, there's something to that. There, there are some algorithmic magical things happening behind the scenes. Here we go um, with the math again. <laughs> exactly. But it doesn't matter. The reason that we care about that is because we want other people who are searching for new shows to listen to, to see that our listeners like it. So we want uh, them to have good reviews to read and good ratings to see. So they may give it a try too. No, that makes sense. Um, so what do you think is the most important part of sounding good on the audio? I learned this from Jonathan, but the most important thing is to wear headphones because it makes sure that you do not hear an echo of yourself from your computer. I would say the second most important thing, the thing that I do is I stand up when I record versus sitting down because I don't lose my breath as quickly and I just feel like I sound more engaged and more happy. Oh, that's a good tip. I didn't yeah. even notice that you were standing. Look at you. It's because I'm the same height, no matter if I'm sitting or standing. <laughs> well, but, I can see you, but I know your listeners can't. I mean, I'm thankful that you're not showing the video because <laughs> I didn't dress to impress. <laughs> but is there a reason that you don't include video? Yes, there is a reason for that. And it has to do with the way that we edit the show. So... We try to shoot for between a 30 and 40 minute final episode. And in order to get there, we usually record about an hour's worth of audio. And the reason for that is because you know you can always take something away, but you can't add something good in later. So I'd rather have a lot more to work with. But because of the way we edit, it's really hard to match that final audio up to the video because it would look like robotic, like uh, you would be, you know, you would say something and then your mouth would keep moving like an overdubbed movie or something like that. Um, so that's why we don't do it. I feel like that gives us a much better final product, but I know people are really like keen on watching video. It's interesting though, about half of my guests are like, what do you mean you don't do video? And the other half are like, this isn't on video, is it? So, uh, you know, I think I probably get more people because we're not on video. I'm not sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, well, like I said, I can see that. <laughs> um, well, I'd say we've reached the fortune telling portion of the show. And now it's time to predict the future so you can come back later and see if you were right. So what is one prediction that you have about the future of the hospitality business? Oh my Lord, if I have to narrow it down to one, I don't even know. I have so many predictions. I believe in you. <laughs> um, well, okay. So I'm going to give you more than one. The first one is we are finally at a point where digital natives, like people who grew up with the internet and smartphones since the day they were born and all that stuff are becoming industry leaders. So I think that's going to escalate innovation because I think people are not going to stand for some of the old-fashioned technologies and slowness that we've been used to in the industry. So that's number one. Number two, there has to be some sort of truce or coming together or common ground finding between the short-term rental and vacation rental industry and the hotel business. It can't be that 
they are fighting at cross purposes. It can't be that hotels pretend like short-term rentals don't exist or try to get them kicked out of the city. There needs to be some sort of truce, some sort of middle ground because that's what's that's what guests want. That's what customers want. So, you know, our industry is only going to suffer if we continue to fight it out. Well, I know that I, I would love to see that. I, I don't know about you, but some places I go, I stay in short term and some places I go and I stay in a brand loyal hotel because I want the points or I've got the points or I've got a better deal or I've got multiple families. And I mean, at it's some just point... about the trip. It's, a, it's from trip to trip. It's not person to person. It's not traveler to traveler. It's really, a, it's at least in my observation and for me, it's purpose of visit. Like, what are you doing there? What are the things that are important to you? Right. So, and for us, it's how many people do you have? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can I mean, squeeze families. In the, yeah. It makes well, total so- sense. And then I have one more prediction. And that is this. This is actually my most important and most serious prediction. So everybody take notes. <laughs> Instead of looking to technology to eliminate the lower wage jobs in hotels. Like people talk all the time about like robots to clean rooms or to make pancakes in the breakfast station or check people in, you know, that kind of thing. I actually think that there is technology being built in the wings right now that is going to eliminate higher wage labor like sales and revenue directors. And as a result of that, those people are going to have to expand their skill sets and become more strategic and more big picture in the work that they do. They are no longer going to be able to slide by on an ability to use a particular CRM or RMS or any of the other acronyms in our business. What do you see as being next for Top Floor for your podcast? Oh my gosh. Well, obviously, this podcast has everything. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the next thing, honestly, is that we're going to keep pressing forward and keep trying to bring better and better quality programming and even more exciting guests and better loading dock stories and all of that stuff to our audience. Um, I also anticipate that you'll see a couple of special series from us in the next year and uh, definitely some conference appearances. So stay tuned. Oh, that's exciting. So what do you see next for you uh, and your company? Well, for both me and my company, we are absolutely in an expansion and growth phase. So we are working on all different types of processes to make our work for our clients more efficient, higher quality, and more effective. I'm really interested in... A few new concepts in B2B marketing, particularly zero-click content and dark social. And if you want me to explain those, I will. But so I'm, uh, you know, we're always evolving. Well, evolution is a necessity, and I mean that's the only place you can go is up from <laughs> excitement and wonder. You got that right. What's next for you, Cat? And what's next for your company? Well, my company, um, we're trying to work uh, smarter and not harder. And... I wish I had said it that way. That is so much better of a way to put it. Oh, we're working on efficiencies. 
<laughs> We're working on creating more billable hours. And, uh... <laughs> okay, folks, before we tell Susan goodbye, we're going to head down to the loading dock where all of the best stories get told. Going down. Okay, Susan, just keeping it real. What is a story that you would only tell on the loading dock? Oh my God. I can't tell you a story that I haven't told you before. I think you know all of my loading dock stories, but today is kind of a special day. Do you know what day it is? Uh, Yes. Do you care to share it (laughs) with the listeners? (laughs) It is mom and dad's. 49th wedding anniversary. Okay. Yes, it is. Exactly (laughs) right. Sort of. So this loading dock story is about our parents because they are the funniest weirdos in the history of getting married. So today, the day of recording is September 1st. It's their 49th wedding anniversary, but it's their second 49th wedding anniversary because... They had to get married twice, two days in a row, because they forgot to get a marriage license. So (laughs) on August 31st, whatever year they got married that I can't remember right now, 1973, I think, they looked at each other and were like, oh, hey, wait a minute. We don't have a marriage license for this here shindig that we're having tomorrow. What do we do? (laughs) So they piled into the car with dad's best man... Russell, Russell's wife, Judy, and mom driving. Judy later said that mom drove so fast that she was afraid they might die on the way there. (laughs) And they drove to Donaldsonville, Georgia and to like this elopement mill. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what it was, but it was a place you could go on the spur of the moment, get married. They went, got married on the 31st, went on their merry way, and then had their second wedding on September 1st. Here's a fun fact. I don't know if you know this, Kat, that they also kind of broke the mold for that time because they had a Methodist minister and a Catholic priest marry them at their wedding. If I knew that, I forgot it, but leave it to old mom and dad to break the mold. (laughs) In so many ways. I just think it's so hilarious. Like People don't understand. Our parents are the most upstanding citizens. They're like well-respected educators and all this stuff, but yet, whoops, they forgot to get a marriage license. So they secretly got married two times. (laughs) Tiny little detail. (laughs) (laughs) So before we go, I feel like I need to share another story. And it's my favorite, funniest story about you, Kat. Can I tell? Oh God, I don't know. I guess so. Go for it. Okay. So you have been known to do a little bit of sleepwalking in your day, especially during the early days of your first restaurant where you guys were really stressed out and had a lot going on. So my favorite sleepwalking story of yours that I have ever heard... This is honestly my favorite story about you that I've ever heard in my entire life. Is that you in the middle of the night in your sleep, went into the kitchen, took down all of your like soup bowls out of the cabinets, laid them all out in the counter (laughs) and filled each one (laughs) 
<laughs> a slice of cheddar cheese and two precisely placed green grapes <laughs> because you thought you were doing a catering in your sleep in the middle of the night. Listen, I am a very busy person. I am not, the work doesn't stop just because I've gone to bed, okay? Consistency. Oh my God. Every time I think about that, it makes me laugh so hard. I can just picture you out there like, okay, let's get these grapes exactly right. <laughs> and weren't you visiting or something and you're I, the one that discovered it? I, I feel think like? it was Sean. I'm not sure. I can't remember, but I, or maybe we, maybe it happened while we were in town or something. I can't remember, but oh Lord, that makes me laugh. Uh, and that had have been 15 years ago. Yeah, it's been it's been a little while. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that story. The pleasure was all mine. Well, Cat Meek, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you taking the interviewer seat and helping me celebrate the first of what I hope are many anniversaries of Top Floor. Congratulations. We're so proud of you. And thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this birthday episode of Top Floor. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 53 and happy birthday, mom. Top Floor is produced by John Albano, who also composed and performed our elevated elevator music with vocals by Cameron Albano. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode.